everybody, you're listening to the Vault Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are rope partners who have been tying together for about five years. We live in Bangkok and love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by Friction Live. Friction Live offers a variety of kink classes centered around rope and things you can do to complement your rope. You can attend the classes live or view them recorded at your convenience. Check them out on frictionlive.ca. Today we're doing an episode on how to create your own rope user manual. That sounds fascinating, Maya. What's a rope user manual? Well, it's usually something you create yourself um, for the people who tie with you. Okay, so is that something that tops do or that bottoms do? Ideally both. Um, We both have one. And we'll talk about those later. And usually you share it up front with your time partner. And then you can use that as a springboard to explore the information in more detail. So why would you do that, Maya? Um, So the idea of a rope user manual is to tell your time partner information about the rope that you do that your time partner might need to know. Um, Okay. And what are the benefits of using the user manual to do that as opposed to, let's say, grabbing a beer at the pub? Uh, it helps you track it as, as an individual, make sure that you uh, don't forget things, saves okay. a lot of time. Um, and it's an easy format potentially to share it in. So you might share it online. Uh, ours are both on FetLife. We've seen some in a Google Doc, um, text you, like just text you paste into an email. Uh, and it helps with uh, potentially miscommunications. Oh, interesting. Why does it? Um, because if the person reads it, and we are kind of assuming that your time partner who you send it to reads it, then it really makes sure that you've set out the things that are most important to you that you need for your time partner to know. Okay, very nice. Um, do you think it is something that works for everyone? Um, I don't think it suits everybody. Uh, so I do think as someone who it suits, it helps you look prepared and like, you know what you're talking about in terms of your rope practice, but for some people, they think it's maybe a bit impersonal, um, too, uh, square or geeky, which is, is not something. That's kind of who we are, isn't it? Right. Let's face it. We're the kind of people who make Excel spreadsheets for fun. And have done a hundred episodes of a podcast on one specific topic. Okay, good point, good point. Yep. So some people think it's maybe a bit too um, fitting them into a box um, Mm -hmm. or maybe even presumptuous. So this idea that um, the other person might not be interested in all that information. Okay, I was also reflecting that in some cases, if your partner is not very comfortable with the written medium, if they have dyslexia or some kind of neurodivergence, it might be interesting to ask them if they prefer to have this information in writing or if they prefer to just have you explain the material to them. But you can still use your user manual as your starting point, but then verbally explain it to them as opposed to having them read it. I think that's a really good point. Um, 
you can you don't have to always send the exact user manual okay. you can uh, use it to remind yourself of the key things that you want to share with the other person hmm. I can see also how it could be useful for people who do rope with a number of different partners because if we're being honest for a minute and what I'm going to talk about is not the most classy but if during a certain period you tie with a lot of people you run the risk of getting them mixed up together a bit. Okay. Like, is it Jessica that likes her breast touched or is it Tanya? Like, is it Bob who likes CBT or is it Eric? Like, one thing you could do if you save the link to the user manual of the people you tie with or if you save a copy of the manual is have a quick read through it before every scene to make sure you, like, remember who you're tying and what their specifics are as opposed to getting them. Um, actually, in that possibly less classy situation, although we celebrate slutty rope, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, we are rope sluts. Um, we, we own it. So it might also be useful. If you want to book a session, send us a message. <laughs> it might also be useful for um, yourself because sometimes if you talk to a lot of partners and you negotiate several scenes um, in a short period of time, you mm -hmm. might think that you've told someone a piece of information and actually have forgotten. Oh, yeah, that's a really great point because sometimes when we're going to a party on the weekend, we're going to plan scenes with three or four different play partners. And so you're going to essentially in the same week have three times the same conversation explaining your limits and boundaries and so on. And it's really easy to skip over something if you don't have some kind of checklist, I guess. Maybe you should get yours uh, printed as a little booklet with a fox on the front. Or it could be a little comic strip, I was thinking. <laughs> comic strip! A cute fox. Yeah, I'm going to commission someone to draw that. <laughs> to do your user manual. That's very cute. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. So Maya, we got this idea of creating a rope user manual from a good friend of ours. And we each wrote one, as you mentioned, and they're available on our public FetLife profile. So dear listeners, if you want examples of what a rope user profile might look like, you're very welcome to go have a read through them. Yep, I'll pop them in the uh, episode show notes as well. Uh, Maya, what did you put in yours? Okay, so mine has, uh, first of all, some limits which apply to everyone that I play with. So, so in your case, what would those be? So for example, um, I don't want fabric or rope in my mouth. Like I have a bit of a weird, nails against the blackboard uh, feel no. about oh, it. I thought you said nose against the blackboard. <laughs> nails against the blackboard. No, I was thinking like, what was she doing with her nose against the blackboard? That would be if and I, I was, was picturing naughty. like some kind of, yeah, of discipline scene where you have to hold a penny <laughs> with your nose against the blackboard while you're getting your ass caned or something. I mean, okay, something for tomorrow. Not entirely unpleasant. Yeah, let's <laughs> check our schedule. 
Um, so I don't like crab rick or rope in my mouth. And that's a personal preference, but it really just a turn off in all the ways. So I don't want that. And then there are more practical limits around TKs, for example. So I don't do TKs because I have decided uh, in, in discussion with you as my main rope partner that it is too risky for me if I want a long-term rope career. Hmm. So there's and, and if you want to still have working hands to do your job with now, also. Now. So um, I also put in injuries that I feel might be relevant to rope scene. So I have some chronic pain. I have a neck injury. And so I don't turn my head in particular ways. So Okay, so far information that would be really useful for the rigger to plan the scene with you. Because if they don't have that information beforehand, they might plan a TK suspension with a scarf as a gag. And then like five minutes before the play starts, you tell them your limits and then they realize their whole plan doesn't work and they need to improvise. Yeah. And those are limits that are consistent that I feel very comfortable putting down in writing um, and telling everybody. Hmm. I also talk about my style of negotiation. So what is that, Maya? So there are a couple of different, well, there are many different styles of uh, negotiation, but Mm -hmm. I use what's called an inclusive style, which I believe we've talked about um, before in negotiation. It means that I name the things that are going to be included, that I'm okay to have included in the scene. And obviously the top does that as well. So I would say, okay, so I'm um, all right with rope, uh, caning uh, in these areas of my body, um, and I, and that's all. In other words, you list all the things that are on the table and everything else is off limits. Exactly, exactly. And obviously we've had that as a discussion. That's not a, and the top doesn't have to do, say, caning, like it's mm-hmm. an option, but that's how I negotiate. And I, I state that because um, we have seen in the past challenges where one person uses an inclusive style and one person is using an exclusive style and they don't actually talk about it and it causes mm. consent issues. So like, for instance, person A would say my limits are whipping and razor blades and then person B is going to think, oh yeah, anal fisting all the way without mentioning it to person A. Exactly, because it wasn't on their excluded list mm. of um, limits. Yeah. So it seems important to let your partner know which style of negotiation you're using. Like if you are doing inclusive, which is listing all the things that are okay, or exclusive, which is listing all the things that are not okay, or a mix of the two, right? Exactly, exactly. And there's the possibility for someone to, I guess, for me to change my style with the person over time. But my rope user manual is designed for people who I'm newer to or I don't tie very often with. Hmm, So that's a baseline for a newer interaction. Exactly. All right. What else is in your rope user manual, Maya? Um, There's a little bit about my experience as a rope bottom um, and a link to my pictures to show some of the things that I've done in the past. Um, And that's to really, I guess, say to tops, okay, I have some experience. This is not my first time. We can have a conversation at this, I guess, intermediate rope level. So is it a bit of a rope resume then? Um, A little bit, but very brief uh, because it's not 
not so much about that. I do talk a little bit about how important rope is to me and that it's one of my major kinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also interested in the other person. So I specifically state, because I think it's super critical, that I'm interested in the top's limits and what the top enjoys. Okay. Um, I think sometimes we have a bit of a tendency to be quite focused on bottoms in the negotiation. Uh, which I think is important, but I also think the top is important too. Mm. Uh, and I Probably want f- because we tend to see the bottoms as the people carrying most of the risk yeah. Yeah. in terms of outcomes. Yeah, um, but I think there's no harm and in fact it's quite positive to reciprocate a bit as a bottom. And actually, I believe that tops carry massive risks as well in role play. Just maybe different kinds of risks, but the social risk, the risk to your reputation, the psychological risk, if you hurt someone or if you involuntarily transgress someone's consent can be super heavy for the top. Mm. So I definitely think yeah, there are massive risks on both sides of the equation, but just not exactly the same ones. Um, and talking of that, I also have a little bit on safety mm-hmm. and my safe word, um, which I think is useful. Yeah. And then I talk a bit about aftercare, how I feel after work, takes me a bit of time to come back. So um, what do you say in your usual manual about your aftercare needs? Because that seems to be a very classic question, which is like, what kind of aftercare do you require? Um, I think I say uh, that it makes me a bit spacey and it Man, takes me... talk about understatement of the century. <laughs> well, it depends on the scene. But yes, usually it takes it's a bit spacey um, and I try to negotiate my aftercare in advance in terms of what's okay and what's not okay. And I also uh, ask people in my rope user manual to check in with each other the next day. Oh, you mean to check in with you or for you to check in with Both. You? So I actually okay. say we should check in with each other because I think that that responsibility should be on both people. So whoever okay, wakes up first. It's another area where it's more usual to assign that responsibility to the top. But I like the idea of sharing the responsibility. I'm very, well, we work together on our rope. And so I've, I'm very, a hope. Um, partner in terms of the rope that I do. In the scene, I'm very much the bottom, but in terms of risk, safety, negotiation, I see that as a partnership. Yeah, I'm very keen on that uh, perspective on play in general as well. All right, so you have your aftercare needs and preferences. Um, do you mention anything sexual in your user manual? Um, I say that mostly especially for first time up, I don't include sexy times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of state that boundary up front. I feel more comfortable with that. And then in the very few cases where it might not be like that, I can have that discussion separately. But my baseline is when I'm tying with people for the first time, it's almost never going to involve sexy times. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, anything else that you think is relevant to have in your user manual, Maya? Yeah, I have two small things. So one is a reminder that it's absolutely fine if they read the manual and they don't want to tie with me. And also if I don't want to tie with them. Hmm. Okay, so you're providing them with a specification, so to say, of what tying with you might look like. And then you want them to read through that and take a step back and think, is this what I want? Like, is this my intent in going into a rope scene? Is that compatible with what I'm looking for, right? Yeah, because if there's someone with a gag fetish who only does TKs, then maybe they're not the right rope partner for me. Hmm. But you want that to be okay and not be 
antagonistic. Yeah, I think it's. I think we all need to learn, and I say this as someone who still is working on it. We need to learn how to take a no gracefully,、hmm. and also saying we don't seem to be the most compatible people at this moment in time is not the same as saying. You are wrong and bad, and I reject you for everything that you are. Exactly, exactly. And the final thing that I have is a link to our、um, consensual, consensually non-monogamous writing, which is what we wrote as a baseline for how our relationship works with the people we have other relationships with. Okay. And so, how do you feel that is relevant in the context of a manual about how you play with rope? So I think it's important for people to know that I have a romantic partner,、um, and that I am open to other connections within certain boundaries.、Um, and I don't want there to be secrets or for people to be taken by surprise. I want it all to be very open and for people to be comfortable with that. Oh, that's very nice. And having tied with some people who had a partner or a spouse. Who didn't quite understand the nature of the interaction and like saw the rope and were not happy about it. I can definitely see the benefit in everyone being informed from the get go of what the deal is. Exactly, and if they have a partner, their partner can read both my rope manual and my consensually non-monogamous writing. And that would prevent that situation from occurring. Yeah, for some of the issues we faced, <laughs> that might have helped in the first place. So、Very、that's、nice. me.、Uh-huh. What about you? You also have a rope user manual. Okay,、um, I guess mine is slightly different from yours. Yeah. yeah in terms of content and also tone. Uh, well, obviously, I'm a dummy dumb, right? So I need for sure. So mine needs your whole profile is like black, black, chains. obviously chains everywhere. When you read it, if dear listeners, if you go、uh, read it, like imagine it being said in a really like deep masculine dummy dumb voice, because that's like <laughs> super important, like. Like, Maybe you should do an audio like the、version. voiceover to an action movie blockbuster. Oh, you should have music in the background. Oh, that would be great. Heavy metal, obviously, because <laughs>、yeah, that's the only dominant music. So, what's actually、world. in your world manual?、Uh, well, I focus mostly on the three most important things in rope, in my opinion, which are which are consent,、uh-huh. consent,、uh-huh. and consent.、Ah. Uh, I am a bit obsessed with it. But I would rather be heavy-handed, which let's face it, I often am. <laughs> My bum knows. Rather than、uh, leave the possibility of a misunderstanding about consent practices or anything that could get someone in a place of suffering, which could have been avoided. So yeah, there's a lot about that.、Uh, as you mentioned, negotiation styles and. For me, it's really important that the person I'm going to tie comes from a place of informed consent, because I think informed consent is the only form of consent that is valid, in my opinion. And so I ask them to inform themselves about the risks of rope, because、mm. I want them to know what the risks are before they say yes to a rope scene with me. And I tell them that they can do their own research about that, and I think that. Would be the best way, but I also offer some resources, such as Clover's rope bottoming guide, which is linked on my profile, and also the episode zero of this very podcast, <laughs> where we discuss、okay. 
the risks of rope quite mm-hmm. extensively. Mm-hmm. Anything else in your um, rope manual? What's the what's the tone of your rope manual? Well, I think we've covered it pretty well with like <laughs> dummy dumb. Uh, it's it's quite serious, I guess. It's not very playful, uh, which probably turns some people off, but that's okay. Uh, because as much as I like to be playful during the scene, negotiation are pretty serious business for me, actually. Uh, so it's a bit business-like, maybe. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not very... It's very pragmatic, right? Yeah. Down to earth. Yeah. And I do come from an engineering background and I'm, I'm pretty square as a person, let's face it. So, yeah, that's what transpires, I guess, when you read that. Okay, and what else? Something I find useful is to try and avoid setting expectations for people. And I talk about the photos on my profile because what I found is that that's often where people start when they look at the profile of someone on FetLife for the purpose of deciding if they want to play with them. And maybe they look at the photo of the person upside down doing splits and think, oh. Yeah, and they think, oh, I'm, I'm a beginner in rope. Like, this is not for me. I, I can do the splits upside oh, down. Oh, I could do that. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah, one way or the other. And what I want to stress in my rope user manual is because I've done a particular thing with someone in the past doesn't mean I'm going to want to do the exact same thing with you. And that also doesn't mean you need to be able to do the same things my past partners have been able to do. So setting expectations or rather not setting expectations is something I try pretty hard to do. So setting expectations to not set expectations. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't exactly. it? Um, is there anything else in your rope user manual? I think, I think there's the essentials. That and saying... No, I do, I do mention one other thing, which is physical attraction. Uh, which is something that's quite important for me. And I do say that I will not commit to playing with people before I've met them in person. Mm, Okay. Uh, For me, physical attraction and chemistry is not something that I can judge on the photo. And so if someone contacts me through the internet, which is fine, I'm going to say, okay, let's grab a cup of coffee first. Or rather, you grab a cup of coffee because I don't (laughs) actually drink coffee. I'll have a soda. Uh, And then meet in the flesh and see what's the connection is, uh, and then I'll decide if I want to play with that person and also if I want to include any sexual dimension in the play with that person or if I'd rather stay Mm non-sexual. Yeah, because chemistry for you doesn't necessarily mean that they have to take a... (laughs) Yes, Maya? (laughs) That that you don't have to do sexy things. They don't have to take a dick? Is that what you were going to say? No, anyway. Sounds out of character for you. So... Um, all right, good good point there, Fox, uh-huh. on the adding. So what else might other people's rope user manuals contain? Because we are just two examples. We're not the comprehensive list. No, definitely. Well, I, I think we went over some of the core things in terms of templates, like the aftercare needs, the negotiation style, the existing partner's dynamic that could impact the play. For some people, it could include, oh, you need to ask permission to my mistress for instance, or you need to inform my husband or all, all that all that kind of uh, stuff. Like if, if there's any third parties that have stake. Or fourth or fifth or, fifth or, six, or seventh. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because you are welcome, Polly. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting to disclaim that in advance. 
And again, it can prevent bad situations from occurring. Like the surprise boyfriend, which we've had. Uh, I've definitely had the surprise boyfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean someone not telling at all that they have a boyfriend. And after you've been tying them and having sex with them for weeks, suddenly your boyfriend manifests out of thin hair. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Uh, one thing you can do also if you have been bottoming for rope for a while and you know that you like things tied in a certain way, that can be an interesting inclusion in your rope manual. So, for instance, if you know that in Futomomos you like the ankle point to be on the inside of the leg versus the outside of the leg, that's something you can write. Yeah. Or if you say, like, I like my hands high in a TK, I like my hands low in a TK, that information seems relevant. And what might a rope user manual not contain? Like, what would we suggest although it's just our opinion no absolutely people... not with the authority on rope user manuals <laughs> yeah Maya. this is like, it this is the committee and you need to send us your rope user manual <laughs> and we'll sign it off. and we'll stamp it approved <laughs> or rejected we so pay attention stamp. there will be a test <laughs> so what um what might it not contain like what is unhelpful in a rope user manual if we want the rope user manual to be a baseline to play with everyone, we're going to avoid including things that are specific to a certain partner. So if you have a limit that's only with a certain person, or conversely, you have relaxed a certain limit just for one person you play with, that doesn't really belong in your user manual. Yeah, the other people don't need to know that Bob gets to, like, kiss your back whereas no one else does that's yeah, just going to be yeah. confusing yeah absolutely and probably counterproductive because then it creates a question of well why does bob get to do that i want to do that too or ew who likes that like, yeah also that who knows what else might it not contain what's what there's quite a few unhelpful things that i can imagine people putting in yeah well not listeners of our podcast because clearly if people are listening to this podcast they're very smart and they would never make those <laughs> mistakes but i think you could get too detailed yeah and for instance if as a rigger you list every single pattern you can tie, that's probably a bit too much. Yeah, like yeah. Being a bit more broad strokes is probably more helpful. Uh, length in general in this case, I think briefer is better because people do not have long attention spans. Yeah, yeah. I would limit it. Well, you're better than me with word count. Like how many words would you say? 500. 500 words? Okay, yeah. so that's a ballpark. Of, Very ballpark. Uh, Mine's yeah. probably a thousand if I look at it, but 500 is what I'd be aiming for. And keep in mind that a majority of people don't love reading walls of text. No. So if you like break it down into yeah, bullet, points, bullet points, paragraphs, yeah. if you include pictures, if pictures are relevant, uh, that might make people read it more, which will make it more useful, right? The other thing that I think uh, maybe you don't include is all the amazing things and amazing scenes that you've had with these amazing bottoms or tops that you've played with as well. So you mean it's not a bomb for your ego? Yeah, because that's probably, that's exactly the opposite of what you were talking about with expectations. Mm -hmm. So it's saying, oh, I can do this amazing suspension. Well, that's great, but it, it's not applicable to everybody. Mm. Unless you only do bamboo split suspensions, in which case it is applicable. All right. Very interesting. So in other words, if I understand what you're saying correctly, you want to put yourself in the shoes of the person who's going to read that. Whoa, empathy, man. I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> 
and ask yourself, is that piece information relevant to the reader as opposed to me as the person who wants to say how amazing I am? Relevant and helpful. All right. Um, and remember, it's a starting point. So the Rope User Manual is not everything. It's a starting point of giving consistency in the key messages that you want to communicate to time partners. Okay, so jokes about the Rope User Manual Committee aside... There's no third party that's going to come in and enforce the manual if you decide with someone that from the third scene on, you're okay to do anal, even though it's not in the manual. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, that speaks to another point, which is that you can show your personality in the Oh, writing. I thought you were going to say you were, can show something else. I was not. regards to the anal. I was not. Okay. I was going to say you can show your personality in the writing. Um, you've kind of described how you show your personality. My one is maybe... Uh, more light uh, uh-huh. in terms of tone, but that's something that you can do. Um, I liked your comic idea. Um, I don't think you need to be held to text-based formats um, as long as you have some way of getting the information across that can you, you need interpretative to. dense your rope user manual? I guess you would have to record it and send it on Vimeo. All right. Sounds like a project for the weekend. I would say remember relevant and useful. Oh, you're giving me such a good idea. I'm going to do a Fox Rope trailer with like dramatic music. <laughs> and like, <laughs> be prepared for the experience of a lifetime. And then like some dramatic classical music, like Hans Zimmer stuff. And like you see me tying in slow motion in black and white. Black and white. Yeah, obviously. Heavy metal. Then it's artistic. No, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's our project for the weekend. Um, we talked about having more romantic partners and showing people that you're open and that mm-hmm. you um, tell the truth, which is important. I think there's also something uh, which links to what you were saying about having empathy with the reader. Okay. Ask yourself, what is it that I want or need this document to do? Why, why well, have I'll I created it? I'll get you later, it? obviously, right? Okay, so that's a really <laughs> great example. That is not what mine is for. Yeah. What would you say yours is for? Mine is to communicate my limits and my the risks I am and I'm not prepared to take in a consistent way so I don't forget them Mm. um, and set down some boundaries so that the other person understands where I'm coming from. Okay, that does sound very useful to know. So if you know what your intent is, you can craft your document in order to attain that goal more easily. Yeah, and you talked about using it for filtering, so you don't want to necessarily tie with someone who hasn't understood the risks of what they're um, embarking on. Um, For some people, it might be more advertising. I've certainly seen some rope user manuals, which are maybe more rope resumes, which is an interesting idea, like adding in more of what training you've taken um, and what education you've had in rope. So thinking about what do you want this document to do, I think is... um, at the heart of this project. Okay, very nice. So in conclusion, it sounds like the Rope User Manual is a pretty good tool to add to your rope arsenal, Maya. Yeah, and the more people you tie with, I think the more useful it is. Hmm. So it's what, a couple hours of work to put one together? Yeah, if that. I would get feedback from someone who, from someone who is the audience. So if you're a top, get feedback from a couple of bottoms. Okay, so if you're a top, send your rope user manual project to Maya. No. And if you're a bottom, send it to Fox <laughs> and they will read through it and give you feedback. But we do not do spelling <laughs> and grammar. Um, but we will we will link it in the show notes if you send us your rope user manual or you can uh, put it in the comments so other people can read. Awesome. We look forward to seeing what you 
come up with, dear listeners. So that's all from us at the Rock Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come friend us on our FetLife page, which is Rogue Podcast, or our Instagram, which is Rogue Podcast, or indeed both. Perfect. And if you have a question related to Rogue, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. So drop us a line on those two areas. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes like this one, find all the ways to support us on our website, roguepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.